Welcome to the Mapped Out Money podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 29. And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money Minute. This is another podcast that we do, uh, except it's daily, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They're short, little bitty episodes all about how you can better manage your money to finally get on living your adventure. Same kind of topics we talk about over here, just much shorter and on a daily basis. So if that's interesting to you, we would love for you to check out that show. Just search for Mapped Out Money Minute in your favorite podcast player. So today's episode sort of comes out of a, a, a pet peeve, I guess, of when people say, I just don't have time for that. Or I don't have time to, you know, budget. I don't have time to look into my finances. I don't have time to deal with all that. I'm so busy with all this other stuff. I feel like one of the most frustrating parts of that is that normally when someone says it, they're also kind of implying like a subtle dig at you. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, you have time for that nonsense and I just don't. I just can't be bothered. I am so busy with all the things that I have going on in my life. I just, I absolutely cannot fit that in. My other favorite is when people tell you, oh, well, you may have time for that now, but you just wait until just wait. fill in the blank and just you, you just won't have any time for yeah, that. Just wait till you get married. You won't have any time. Just wait till you get a house. You won't have any time. Wait till you have kids. You won't have any time. It's always like that person who's like in that next phase of life telling you just wait until this happens and then, you know, you're not going to have time to do the things that you want to do anymore. And obviously there's some level of truth that um, as you get married, buy a house, have kids, start your career, you are adding things to your life that do require more of your time. Um, but as we'll talk about here shortly, like – all of those are choices. And so you have to be really thoughtful about what you do and, and don't have time for. Well, and, you know, the other thing is, like, you might have to take time from new places in order to yes. fit in the things that are your priorities. But, like you said, you always have the choice to do that. So before we get too far into all this, why don't you go ahead and read the, the article that we wanted to start out with? Yeah, so the uh, article that has sort of spawned this podcast episode is one by a guy named Derek Sivers, who um, founded CD Baby. He's sort of known in the sort of online internet uh, business space. But his website, he, he has lots of short little um, awesome blog posts on good topics. So here's the article. We'll just read it in its entirety to kick things off. The title is Where to Find the Hours to Make It Happen. Here it goes. When you experience someone else's genius work, a little part of you feels, that's what I could have, would have, and should have done. Someone else did it. You didn't. They fought the resistance. You gave in to distractions. They made it a top priority. You said you'd get to it someday. They took the time. You meant to. When this happens, you can take it two ways. You could let that part of you give up. Oh, well. Now I don't need to make that anymore. Or you could do something about that jealous pain. Shut off your phone, kill the distractions, make it a top priority, and spend the time. It takes many hours to make what you want to make. The hours don't suddenly appear. You have to steal them 
from comfort. Whatever you were doing before was comfortable. This is not. This will be really uncomfortable. The few times in my life I've made real change like this, it felt awful on the surface. I wasn't shallow happy about it. I wasn't smiling. I was annoyed and fighting it inside. But on the outside, I did the work. And in the end, got the deeper satisfaction of finishing. One of the things that I thought was interesting about this, um, David Perel. Am I saying his name yeah, right? Yeah. Perel. Perel. Yeah, it's like Purell. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so he tweeted about this article, and one somebody commented. There were there were a few comments that pushed back on his idea of like you have to steal the time from comfort. Yeah. Hang on, I want to see if I can find the actual comment. Yeah, here it is. He says. Yes, one should put in the time, but it shouldn't be uncomfortable. It should be fun, and once it's fun, there won't be any distractions. If it's fun, you'll put in the time happily and automatically. I I just don't agree with that. <laughs> I do not agree with that either. I'm like, uh, since when has anything in life been that way? I don't I don't know. Like anything worth having is worth working for. That's yes. like saying to get in good shape, you don't you don't actually have to like work out that hard. Just like you know, just like mosey around. You don't have to be uncomfortable well, to make progress. And I get that there's there's ways to do things that are more fun than other ways. You know what I mean? Like, um, okay, we want to get healthy. We want to work out. Well, I could probably choose workouts that I like better than other workouts. And yeah. maybe that makes me want to do it. Or even with work, um, I can probably choose a job or a career that I would like better but it's still work, and I'm never going to be 100% comfortable and be like, yes, this I love doing this all the time. I, just I have no do resistance it. when I do yes. this. Yeah. That, that's just not reality. Yeah. Like, if you're working out and you're working out hard, you're going to be out of breath. Your muscles are going to burn. Like, you're going to feel it whether you like the workout or not. Yep. And I, I think that's kind of the same with with most things yeah, well, that and, are worth doing in life. And, and with money, it's that way, too. Like, I, I really like personal finance. I like looking at the budget. I like um, spending time thinking about the numbers and all that stuff. But it's still a chore. Well, and it's just as hard for us to be like, oh, yeah, you know, the money's really not in the budget to go out to eat. Yes. So we just need to eat Sorry. at home tonight. Yeah. That's not any easier for us to do than it no. is for anybody it's else. It's really difficult. Yeah, it sucks every time we do it. And we that happens pretty often. The, um, the other comment on Twitter that I agreed with more. I liked this one. Um, some guy, Ishan, Ishan is learning everything. I don't know. Anyways, he said, um, one thing that helped me was changing my phrasing. I tried to avoid saying I don't have time and replace it with I haven't made time. And I think that's a really important little switch there. And it's similar. Um, we've talked before about saying I can't do that versus like, I don't do that. Yep. Like, yeah. so instead of saying like, oh, I can't miss my workout, being like, I'm a person who doesn't miss workouts. Yes. So I don't miss workouts. So I'm yes. going to work out today. Yep. Um, and just that little changing of, of a small phrase can help so much like in your mindset. Well, it, it shifts you from being the victim of your circumstances to actually having agency over your circumstances. So like. You know, he just said, I don't have the time versus I haven't made the time. I don't miss, I can't miss my workout. I don't miss my workout. I can't break my budget. I don't break my budget. Those little bitty shifts in language really help, really help you go, you know what? I'm in control here and I can make a decision of how I 
want to do these. What you just said alludes to a principle that's going to be foundational for this whole episode. Yeah. Um, And that is like, we can argue all day long about whether or not you or anybody else has the time to do whatever. Yep. But at the end of the day, does it benefit you? Does it move you forward to believe that you don't have time to read more, to take that class, to do that thing that you've been thinking about doing? No, no. that's not beneficial to believe. So don't believe that. Like choose to believe that you do have the ability to make time for the things that are important to you because that's what's going to help move you forward. And it's not even just you like making it up and saying, I'm just going to believe this. It, it really is true because even the things that we all feel like we seemingly have to do, right? Like you have to go to work. Uh, you have to provide for your family. You have like as harsh as that sounds like you don't have to. I mean, there are people who choose not to do that, right? There are people who choose to not provide for their family. There are people who choose not to go to work. There are people who choose to do the things that most of us, I would say, feel obligated to do. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things. You you probably should do a lot of the things that you feel obligated to do. But to your point, it's recognizing I, I could choose not to. I could absolutely choose not to, which means that I'm making a conscious choice to do these things. And the consequences of not doing the things that I feel obligated to do, the consequences of that, they're, they're worse than the time that is required, basically. And to me, when I made when I made that switch from feeling like I have to go to school, I have to do these things, I have to da 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 da, it it helped it made made me feel more empowered that I had control over my situation. And to your point, it was helpful for my belief system to recognize: nope, okay, I can change right now. I'm choosing to do this thing, this thing, and this thing, which all take up my time. That makes it harder for me to do these other things. But I'm making this choice right now, and then maybe in the future. Once I get through this sort of season in life or whatever's going on, maybe then I can shift and make some different decisions and choose some other things. Yeah, I think it just helps your attitude so much because, I mean, you know, I'll hear a lot of people like, oh, I can't do that because I have to spend all my time running the kids around in the afternoons and they have to go to this practice and that and whatever. And you get this kind of like... I don't know, not necessarily, bitter is too strong of a word, but just like this frustrated feeling of like, oh, I have all these obligations that I have to do. And if you reposition that in your mind as like, I love my kids and I want to prioritize them getting to explore these different areas of interest. And that's really important to me. And so I'm choosing to take them around in the afternoons to like these extracurricular activities. And that might mean that I have to carve out time for my workout or my whatever earlier in the morning or later at night. But I'm willing to do that because I want to prioritize my kids and their interests right now. Um, and that that makes a huge difference in like how you feel when you're doing those things. Yeah, I think that's a that is a perfect example um, and it of how it shifts because I think it does one of two things. I think it either does that, which is phenomenal it makes you feel better about the choice you're making and it reminds you like you know what now this really is important like perfect the other thing it could potentially do when you recognize that you do have a choice is you could recognize that you know what actually the only reason i'm running around my kids in the afternoon to all these different things is because the 
school district that we're in or the neighbors that we have or the extended family that we have, the society we've placed ourselves in, all tell us that we've got to have the kids in 15 bajillion different activities and all the kids have to do all these ridiculous amounts of things. And actually, they don't want to do that many or I don't want to. And so therefore, you know what? Maybe maybe this isn't worth our time. And it, it helps you question. On the flip side, you know, I'm not saying one way or the other here. You might be in the first camp and say, you know what? No, this fits perfect. Our kids love these activities. I want to give up my time, all that stuff. Or you might question what you're doing and find something better to, to do. It's it's the same with um, budgeting your time is that, you know, similar to what we talk about all the time with budgeting your money in that way. Totally. Yeah. So either one of those options that comes out of this is a good option. Yes, so. absolutely. And speaking of budgeting your time and how that sort of looks a lot like budgeting your money, the, the piece, my favorite piece of the article was this line here where he says, it takes many hours to make what you want. The hours don't suddenly appear. You have to steal them from comfort. Whatever you were doing before was comfortable. This is not. This will be really uncomfortable. We literally just did a whole episode uh, a couple of weeks ago on how to push through the uncomfortable part of budgeting. Like dealing with your money and managing your money well and focusing on getting ahead with your money is not comfortable. And everything you've been doing up to this point where you're doing this, when you've been trying to avoid it, that's typically comfortable. You're doing something that's comfortable to avoid dealing with your money. And so the only way that you're going to actually make progress with your finances the way that you want to is to take the time because it's not, you know, not that easy. It does require time and you have to steal that time from comfort. I just love that phrasing. I thought it was so good. That is really good. And I think I always think about things in terms of like money and working out. And so I think this is so true for for both of those, like, because when you first start something and it it is uncomfortable, like anytime you're trying to improve something, I'm convinced it's going to be uncomfortable. And you have that little period of time where it's uncomfortable and you haven't really been doing it long enough to see any difference. So you work out consistently for a week. You literally look no different. And you're like, I should look like the Hulk right now. Like yep. I should look amazing because I've been yeah. doing this like five I've been killing myself. Like this is so uncomfortable. You're extremely uncomfortable. You feel super yes. sore. Yeah. Yeah. And so the same thing with your money, you know, you're like, I haven't been out to eat all week. I haven't gone to hang out with my friends, you know, whatever. Like I've made all these sacrifices and I'm still like in the same financial still situation. Paycheck to paycheck. Um, yep. Yeah. So I just like that he he acknowledges that. Like you do have to steal you have to steal that time away from comfort and you have to steal your success away from comfort. Yeah. It will get better as you go, but initially it is really, it's really hard and it is really uncomfortable. It's almost like when, when I think about, there was a graph I saw one time that um, sort of was talking about, like if you imagine a graph where the, the X axis is time and the Y axis is like your ability or your skill level in some new thing that you want to take on, like handling your money well or budgeting, for example. We actually often will start out a little bit higher on that chart purely because our perception is wrong. Like we we think like, oh, I'm actually I'm not too bad at that. Well, it's like it's like when you don't know anything about a topic, you don't yes. know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, I've been listening to um more podcasts here lately on like 
um, fighting or jujitsu and guys like that. And they talk all the time how like, especially guys have this ridiculously overconfident perception of their own ability and skill level. And they've never been in a real fight in their life. They have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and so what ends up happening is that, that, you know, finally when they go into their first jujitsu class or whatever they're doing, they find out real quick that their actual ability is much lower than their perceived. And, and, but the same is true with our money. Like a lot of times we think, I mean, I know I'm not where I want to be with my money, but like, it's not that bad. Then you start budgeting. And so then you actually take a dip on that Y axis on the chart, right? For a little while where you actually, you actually go down because you start out and you drop from where you're at and you, you find out where reality is. And that's why people go, this sucks. This why sucks. am I doing this? And then they like want to just go stick their head in the sand yes. again. Yes. And so it, it takes some time to push through that piece. And then eventually you will start climbing up the chart and, uh, you know, you'll get better than where you initially perceived and and continue to get better down the road. But there, that little time in there is extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Once, you, once you've been pushing through that discomfort long enough and you start to see results – then you don't want to go back to where you were. And no. so it kind of starts to fuel itself. But until you get there, man, it, it is a struggle. It's not yeah. fun. All right. So let's switch gears here a little bit and talk about uh, a couple of ideas for how you can find the time um, and, and some places to maybe look for that. So our first idea is to exchange passive entertainment for active entertainment. And we did a whole episode on that last week so that's episode number 28. 28 yeah um and so if you don't have time to work out but you're watching netflix every night maybe you need to start working out for 20 minutes instead of yes. watching netflix an additional yep. 20 minutes or you know maybe you get a stationary bike and you ride on the stationary bike while you watch netflix well or and if you but. if you use um like the the iphone for example the one of the latest features is that it by default tracks all your screen time and shows that to you in a widget. And if you use Android, you can um, you can download an app that'll do the same thing. But if you take a look at that, that's extremely eye-opening to show like the number one apps you spend time on, how many hours a day, how many hours a week you spend time on. And so the first thing you should do is, yeah, exchange that passive entertainment where you're mindlessly scrolling for something active. I think one of the areas where I have a really hard time with this and and that I need to be self-aware enough to just stop doing this is I'll have I'll have some sort of task like say making our coffee. Mm -hmm. And so like we normally do French press coffee and we have like an electric kettle that heats up and you know whatever. Yeah, it so it takes a few minutes. Yeah. So I'll turn the electric kettle on and I'll be like, "Well, I'm just going to scroll Instagram while the while while the kettle's like heating, heating up. up. So I'll start scrolling Instagram and then like 20 minutes will go by and I'll look up and be like, oh, wow, the kettle shut off like 15 minutes ago. <laughs> and I've just been standing here like yeah. scrolling on my phone. Oh, now the water's cold. So I guess I better turn the kettle on again <laughs> and scroll Instagram. Start the whole process again. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's so bad. But I mean, I do think. I do think like recognizing all, especially when it comes to technology and like apps and all those things, like these things are designed to be addictive yes. and designed to suck you in in yeah. that way. And and so just really being aware of that and not not letting it happen. Like I just need, I deleted the Instagram app off my phone and everything, which I'm still bad to just pull up a browser and use it. Um, 
But being self-aware enough to know like what you need to do to keep those things in check. And I am still working on that. Well, and, and to your point, it, it's it's little bitty minutes here in the day. So it's like, oh, the water's heating up. Let me do that. Or, you know, like last time we talked about like going to the bathroom. And I think there's lots of times where you're probably spending more time in the bathroom than you actually need to be spending in the bathroom just because you've got the phone out and you're looking at whatever. It's those little minutes of the day. And and honestly, when you're trying like to start a budget, for example, like we use YNAB and once you get YNAB set up, yes, it does require some, you know, hours on the front end to get everything set up and everything going and everything working. But once you do that, you know, carve that time out on a weekend. Once you do that, updating the app and looking at it should literally take you less than ten minutes a day, five to ten minutes a day. And so you're almost guaranteed to be spending more time than that on social media a day. And if you could just switch those, that alone would help you make a drastic improvement in your finances. Yeah. And that sounds, you know, talking about stealing time from comfort, that sounds like that wouldn't be that hard or that uncomfortable, but it is. It is. It is. Because you're switching the dopamine hit that you're going to get looking at Instagram and scrolling with like a potentially negative feeling that you're going to have to get when you look at, you know, your budget. Yeah. So acknowledge that, but then like, remember, this will get better. Eventually, this will will be like a positive experience, even if it starts out negative. (laughs) So that's the that's the first one. And, And like you said, we have a whole episode on that. If you missed episode 28, go listen to that. Number two, the second idea here for how to find time to work on your finances is make the action that you're trying to focus on to improve your money, make it really small so that it doesn't actually require you to find that much time. Yeah, in James Clear's book, he talks about he talks about what what does he say? Like the two minute version of something? Yeah, what's or? a two minute version of something that you can implement? So, yeah. So if you want to improve your finances, what's the two minute action that you can take right now yes. to start you moving in that direction? Yeah. And it's it's hard because it feels like uh, to your point when you're talking about, you know, wanting to see improvement, it's really hard because you feel like making a small two-minute change isn't really going to make an impact. So then why do anything at all is is certainly the, uh, you know, the action I feel. Um, I'm really bad about that in between meetings. So, I you know, I have a lot of calls, um, especially like on Mondays and Wednesdays where I'll have calls, but I'll have these like 15 to 30-minute breaks in between calls. And I'm really bad to go like, man, I can't really do anything in 15 minutes. So then I'll just get on Twitter for 15 minutes. Or, eh, I can't really... I can't read, you know, like I'm not going to get started into a chapter right now. I'll just scroll, you know, Um, and it's recognizing that actually you can make a lot of progress in two, three, four, five minutes. Yeah. And related to that is I'm bad to think about like, well, gosh, if all I'm doing is reading for 15 minutes a day, it's going to take me like forever to finish this book. And like, that's so that's not, I need to be reading more than that. I need to set aside a bigger chunk of time than 10 minutes. 10 minutes is not even worth me opening the book, like you said. And it's like, you just don't realize how quickly those little, those little periods of time add up. And so if even if you just pick your book up for 10 minutes a day or walk for 10 minutes a day, if you haven't been exercising or spend five minutes looking at your budget and seeing where you are with your money, like you will make progress Mm -hmm. and that progress will add up much quicker than you think it will. So don't let yourself think that that won't amount to anything 
And because what, what I end up doing is not starting on something because I think, well, I won't make fast enough progress doing that. And I think I need this really big, complicated plan of how to get started on something, which then I either never get around to making the plan or I make the plan and don't stick to it and just stay in this period of inaction. And so starting small really is the way to go. And I think it comes back to that idea of like focusing on your trajectory and like the way that you're moving Mm -hmm. instead of the speed at which you're moving. So like I, for me, I have to just not even think about the speed component because I, I can really derail myself when I, when I think about how fast or slow I'm moving towards where I want to be. Well, and when you set out for a big goal, like, like you said, if, if I pick up a 400 page book and I'm like, all right, I'm going to read this 400 page book. I can totally see how going uh, 10 minutes here is that's like no progress. I'm going to read like a few pages in that time. That's like nowhere. It's going to take me forever. And I think I, I think people feel that a lot in finance, especially when it comes to the big numbers. So either paying down like student loans or saving for retirement, like both of those can be really daunting and really huge. And um, we even had some people in, in our last class that when we sort of did retirement calculations and looked at things, it it almost it, it felt disheartening. It feels like, oh my gosh, that's how much I need? I'm nowhere close to that. Like, I, I, I don't know how that's even going to be possible. Um, it's very easy to feel that way when you when you look at those numbers. But going back to what you said a, a few minutes ago, like at the, at, the, at the very top of the podcast, which was like, Okay, but what's practical? It's it's not practical to look at those numbers and then go like, well, they're big, so forget it. What's practical is, you know, taking one bite at a time, taking one step at a time, finding one small action that you can do at a time, and all that stuff absolutely compounds. It gets so much easier to add one extra component because of all the sort of learned things that you learn along the way that make all the stuff that's really hard right now easy down the road. Mm-hmm. And learning to acknowledge and enjoy like the little improvements that you do make along the way. So maybe you won't have all of your debt paid off for another 10 years, but three months from now, all of a sudden you might realize like, hey, I'm not stressing out over whether I can pay the rent bill anymore. Yes. Like, I know that money's there and I can write a check for my rent and I'm good to go. And I'm that used to really be a stressor for me. So it's like it's learning to look up and enjoy where you're at and the improvements that you're making um, right now and not waiting until you've got everything in order. Like, yep, I can pay my bills. I'm ahead with my money. All of my debt is gone. Like you don't have to wait until you get to that point to like enjoy the progress that you're making. Yeah. And I think we are guilty of that a lot of times. The other thing with, with finance in particular is if you get into a certain spiral, then it will just absolutely keep you there and keep you from moving forward. And so here's here's kind of the example. If you're living very paycheck to paycheck right now, you don't even have the freed up mental bandwidth or ability to think about creative ways to make new money. If you are so stressed that the next, you know, what, what, how can I pay the bill? How can I pay the rent? How can I make sure that the utility company is not going to shut off my power because I'm, I'm late by three months? If you're in that place, you can't think creatively about how you're going to 
change careers or increase income or start something on the side. Like you're so stressed out with all this other stuff that that is just not practical. And so while yes, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're really struggling with debt, it doesn't feel that helpful to take a small step towards managing your money right by like cutting one very small expense or starting a budget or doing some small task. It feels like, how am I ever going to you know, get rid of all this massive amount of debt? But what happens is that all those gains compound. So what happens is that if you take a couple of small actions and you focus on a few small actions at a time, each week you will inch your way closer and closer to breaking that paycheck to paycheck cycle. And this is one of the reasons that when I coach people, I focus so heavily on breaking the paycheck to paycheck cycle, because the second you break it, you're now so much less stressed about your finances. You have this massive burden that's lifted off of your back, and you can actually breathe a little bit, pause, and your mind can now shift to not worrying about the bills and start thinking about other things. And oftentimes, when you have that freed up mental sort of bandwidth, you will find new and creative ways to increase your income, which then just further accelerates you down the path towards paying off your debt and saving for the future. And so all this stuff builds on each other um, in ways that you may not even see right now. Yeah, that is absolutely true. So as far as identifying that small action to focus on, um, like James Clear um, in his book, Atomic Habits, his kind of example is he was trying to get into the habit of running. And he started out by, for like a week or two, the way that he worked towards that was he got up, he got out of bed, and he put his tennis shoes on. And then he would just take them back off and go to bed again. But he was making himself make that forward momentum of like, I'm going to get up, I'm going to put my shoes on, and then... As long as I do that... That's a success. That's a win. And so after he did that for two weeks and had really built up that discipline, he was like... Well, it's kind of silly to have my shoes on and not go run at least a little bit. So, you know, he'd go out and like run to the end of his road or whatever and come back, take his shoes off, go back to bed. Um, And then once he once he did that for, say, another week, then it's like, well, I mean, I'm already out here and I'm already running. So I might as well go at least a mile so I can at least have something to show for, you know, whatever. And so that that's just such a good tangible example of like it really does build on itself. And like sometimes sometimes mentally we just need those little steps to like help help get our uh our uh, mental gumption um to like yeah, yeah to make progress on these things that seem really overwhelming yeah i love that story so when it comes to your money think about one really really small almost laughable step that you can take that would inch you in the right direction um towards where you want to be and i know a big one that you talk about is like if you are trying to use YNAB or envelopes or whatever. Um, but you you tell people like, hey, you don't have to change how you're spending. Mm-hmm. But before you make a purchase, just pull up your YNAB just account and just look it. at it. And even if the money's not there, like if you still want to buy the thing, you can buy it. But just focus right now on before I make a purchase, every single time I'm pulling up YNAB and I'm looking. Yes. That alone will just help you be more conscious of what you're doing. Even if you still decide to make the purchase, which is fine, it will help you more consciously know where your money's going and uh, and what's happening when you spend. All right. Are you ready for number three? Yeah. So the the third idea here, uh, and this one is definitely optional. It kind of depends on how hardcore you want to go with trying to find the time to work on your finances. Uh, But number three is a full-on time audit. Uh, basically, this is where you're going to track your time 
at least for a couple of days or maybe even a week, a full week would be ideal because you do have some changes in the days of the week and different things on different days. But basically, we take the exact same approach that we take with money and we apply it to your time. And so if you're sitting here going, I just don't have time, I just don't have time, I just don't have time. Well, let's let's call your bluff a little bit. Let's track your time and actually see where every minute of every day is going. Do that for a week and you will absolutely, I, I have no doubt, you will be mind blown with how much time gets wasted over the course of a week. Yeah, I think that can be really encouraging, um, especially if you if you do have these little pockets of, say, 10 minutes or five mm-hmm. minutes, and you feel like, oh, those will never add up to anything. I think when you, when you do track your time and see just how many of those little pockets you have, I mean, even if you just have 20 minutes a day, that's going to add up to like a couple of hours of working towards your goal. Yep. Um, in a week. Yep. So that's huge. I mean, think about how much progress if you if you put two hours a week towards your finances for a year. Imagine how much of a better position you'll be in a year from now. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with like working out or reading or yep. anything else that you're trying to do. Well, and I think one of the things that was so eye opening to me um, when I first first really audited my time uh, probably a year or two ago was. Um, I read it in a book called The Effective Executive, and it's more of a, a businessy book, but it was written in the 70s. And this guy who's like a business consultant, coach, whatever, he basically talked about how the first thing that he would do with any executive that he worked with was he would have them track their time for a week. And I was thinking about this and laughing just because I've heard people talk about this in 2000, you know, the 2000s today. Um, and I was like, oh, that's funny. Like humans have the exact same problem even 50 years ago, and they need to track their time and see where their time's getting wasted. And they didn't even have social media back then, you know? And so now it's like, gosh, where we know our time is getting wasted. So from a practical standpoint, you know, there's lots of ways you could go about this. Um, Matt Ragland is a YouTuber and friend of ours that we really like. Um, He does this uh, by hand. He uses like a bullet journal and, you know, a physical timer and like literally writes out where his time's going and he's got and he's some, got lots of youtube yeah, videos really cool yeah. youtube videos on how he does this so if you're more of a tactile pencil paper kind of person you might want to check that out um for us we've used um the app time Euler before to do this um but there's a lot of different apps that you can use to actually track your time and see where it's going um and again it's it's not like you need to track every minute of every day forever but if you just do it for a week you'll be amazed at how much time you've actually got that you can shift towards your different goals and things you're focused on. Yeah, and it kind of just helps you be, again, more mindful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can help you be more mindful and be encouraging to see like, oh, all these little pockets of time, they do add up. They totally add up. All right, we were trying really hard to keep this episode simple, but it is so hard to talk about like one of these kind of concepts without all the other ones flowing into it, like when it comes to time management and implementing habits and all that stuff. But we did our best. So I hope that I hope that Hopefully those three steps. Yeah, yeah. It's three simple things, right? They're they're simple, not easy. It's not easy to steal the time away from comfort, but we don't have to overcomplicate it. You know what you need to do. You have to steal the time from comfort. But that doesn't make it easy, even though it's simple. So that's not easy, but you know what is easy? What's easy? Talking about stuff we like. Ooh, that's a good transition. 
So for the stuff we like this week, um, I am liking George Orwell's 1984. And uh, you read this in, was it high school you read this? Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was my sophomore year of high school. Okay. I've never read it. I didn't have to read this in high school for whatever reason. It wasn't uh, on the assigned reading list uh, when I was going through. But I've heard about this book, obviously, um, over the years, and I've just never read it. And for some reason, we were in a bookshop a couple of weeks ago, and it jumped out at me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit now's down and read. Time. Now's the time. Now's yeah. the time. And honestly, it does feel like now's the time because I'm only 10 pages in right now. And uh, it's amazing and scary how close it hits to home uh, just with the world that we're living in and everything going on. It's like, wow, this is so not that far-fetched. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's very eye-opening. So um, I need to revisit it because I was, I was telling Nick this uh, yesterday. I was like, man, stuff that I read in high school and even college, I, I just – didn't have the comprehension or I, the life experience yeah. to, to really like understand and appreciate what a lot of these books had to say. Um, yeah. So I need to revisit stuff like that. I'm excited to get through it. I, I really don't know where it's going to go. Like I said, I'm only 10 pages in, so I'm very fresh. But I'm really liking it. Uh, if you're looking for a, a book to read, you've always heard of 1984 and you haven't ever picked it up. I don't know. Pick it up. Read it along with me. All right. You want to do a summary? Sure. So to summarize today, the reality is you do have time to take small steps towards managing your money well and getting ahead with your finances. The The hard part is that you have to steal those hours from comfort in order to work on improving yourself. The couple of ideas that we had to help you get started with this is first to exchange passive entertainment for active entertainment. Number two is to identify really small actions that you can focus on so they don't even require that much time from you to get started with. And the third one is if you really want to take this to the next level, consider doing a full-on time audit where you take a week and you really analyze every single minute of every day, track it, and see where your time is going so that you can look back on it and recognize that you do have some places where you can cut and uh, steal those hours from the comfort uh, in order to improve yourself. So that's it. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. We really, really appreciate it. And we will see you next week.